Welcome to Spark Your Fire Podcast. Content discussed on this podcast is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals. Now, let's start with the quote of the week. What is not okay is that when you fail, you stay down. Whoever stays down is a loser. And winners will fail and get up. Fail and get up. Fail and get up. You always get up. That is a winner. That is a winner. Good day, listeners. Welcome back to the pod. It's Jazz here. Uh, my friend, co-host, one of my friends, co-host, David is missing today. He's been a little bit busy with his life. Um, and uh, I've got my other friend with me, John. John Camino here. Property guru, commodities guru. And he's finally decided after one year of arguing to dabble into the crypto space. John, welcome to the show, buddy. Good to see you, mate. You finally got it, got into my head, under, <laughs> under my skin. I did it. Confessions so, of a crypto skeptic. So you know what? I'm really excited. And we were trying to talk about this before recording started, but it's more fun if we just do it on the recording. Uh, <laughs> so what changed your mind, John? Uh, I mean, Obviously, for one year, you've been arguing like Peter Schiff. Uh, yeah. And uh, is it the price that you're seeing the price moving? Or have you found some have you found some intrinsic value in these currencies? Or what's the reason that you finally decided to dabble into this space? And uh, what are your thoughts so far based on the journey that you have followed, the process? Mm. Yeah, it was a it was a big was a big big week in crypto in my household at least because uh, yeah I, fi- I finally got in and look I didn't get in in a big way I got into to understand the process a little bit better and it's something I've been looking at keenly I was very aware of Bitcoin really early and I remember having an argument with my wife not argument but debate with my wife it was over whether or not um, it was worth getting into Bitcoin at thirty dollars. And I said, no, 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 it has no intrinsic value. Uh, this is silly. Let's buy gold instead. And so it was something like that. So that was obviously a big error. <laughs> um, but uh, so here's kind of, so here's what changed f- for me. Firstly, there's, um, you know, con- again, it's a confession session here with, um, uh, with Jazz, but there is definitely FOMO. So I'm not, I don't pretend to fully understand crypto, but it's, it's something I, I felt that, if I got involved, I'd, I would, it would pique my curiosity and I would find out more about it. Um, and it's sort of learning by doing. So I bought in, in part to, to understand it better, but there's definitely FOMO and I'm not proud of it. <laughs> okay. So the second thing is, is I started to think about crypto a bit differently. So what my, my mental block was, I was thinking of crypto as like coins, as money. And I remember thinking like, what? what's a what's a bitcoin a bitcoin is a flippity flippity it, it's not doesn't represent anything and i i still struggle with that a bit but what the way i kind of got past that was to think bitcoin is not a coin bitcoin is a network and when i started to think about bitcoin like facebook or like amazon or by like google where if one person if you've got five people in the facebook network it's a little bit valuable but then when, when one person, one extra person joins, it kind of feeds on itself and it snowballs bigger and bigger and bigger. And the, the more people that join Facebook, the more indispensable Facebook becomes uh, and the more valuable and sort of becomes valuable exponentially. Bitcoin's the same. Every time a Bitcoin gets mined, every time someone 
transacts with Bitcoin, Bitcoin becomes more useful, more indispensable, and then you can't go back. So I, I started thinking of it as kind of a network or a software, and that's how I, I kind of got past it. The other thing um, is that, you know, I was listening to a, a, uh, an interview a couple of days ago with, now you'll know his full name, Pop, Pompolano, Pompolino. Uh, yeah, Anthony Pompolino. He's been yeah. on our pod before. Oh wow, yeah. So he he's he's a bit of a guru. He's a ex-military guy who made some money in a in a company exit, put fifty percent of those proceeds into Bitcoin, and obviously made a lot of money. So he's considered a real guru in the space. And in this interview from a couple of days ago, he was saying um, that um, it, that he said th think about the other currencies on the planet. The U.S. dollar. If you were to ask someone how many U.S. dollars are are there on the planet, no one would be able to tell you. And how many are we going to create today? No one would be able to tell you. And even gold, which is which is a passion of mine, if someone said how much gold is there on the planet, no one really would be able to tell you. And how much gold got mined today? No one would be able to tell you. But with Bitcoin, we, we know that. And it's algorithmically set. It's algorithmically finite. So even if it doesn't itself have a intrinsic value, though the network does, um, j just this, in a sense, it is a more perfect network a more perfect distribution system so kind of that's where i got to i don't pretend to understand it but it is, it is a it is a more perfect kind of uh currency chain even if the bitcoins itself don't have value the network does and that's how i got there Whew, i'm out of breath ne uh jazz what, what do you think um so if you when you say even though if bitcoin doesn't have a value the network does Network is Bitcoin. Yes, exactly. Is Bitcoin without the network, right? So network is Bitcoin. That's what Bitcoin is. It's a network, nothing else, right? I think, so if you think about the TCP IP layer, right? That's what internet runs on. Uh, or if you think about, I don't know, HTTPS kind of thing. So uh, all these terms are basically internet terms, right? So in this case, basically the money is running on a network and that network has been given a name Bitcoin, nothing else, right? So um, people who participate in that network, they're trying to help with, they're trying to help with two or three things. One is uh, they are, they're holding the coins. So that obviously takes the supply out of the market. Two is they're participating in the network by um, some of them, not everyone does, but some may run full load, which is essentially a software, the network that Bitcoin runs on that helps to secure the network kind of thing. So, uh, and uh, we already had in the past, the debate, the debate being gold and Bitcoin, what the key differences are. There's no point of going over there. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I think, I think it's, when when you and I when you and I had a chat last year, early last year before COVID, I think or around COVID period, mm. at that time it wasn't really it had it it hadn't gained gained any respect of an asset class, I think. But within one year of COVID arriving, uh, and people young investors looking at how the markets work, how the currency is being printed, manipulated and all that stuff, I think has changed their thought process. And obviously along with that, when you have got major players like likes of whether it's MicroStrategy or whether it's 
Fidelity or whether it's Elon Musk or whoever it may be, right? When they start to participate in the network as well, it just gives us gives it some more legitimacy, basically. So I think people are more happy to not talk out talk of it as an asset class compared to if you were to talk about it a year ago. A year ago, no one considered it as an asset class. Right. Within a year, I think things have changed a bit. Uh, with the M1, M2 money supply and investor, investors uh, becoming more aware that it's being considered as an alternative asset class for the future, running on the digital networks, essentially. So I don't know if you feel the same or not, but I think within a year, a lot has changed, to be honest. Yeah, well, we've got we've seen institutional money go into Bitcoin, and people talk about Bitcoin as it's a store of value, which is again, it comes back to that scarcity. But uh, yeah, look, a lot a lot changed. Um, you know, Tesla's putting uh, Bitcoin on its balance sheet as a it's denominating some of its balance sheet in in Bitcoin and, and crypto. So yeah, look, it, it's certainly that. I think what changed is that there's a perception that once the big money got in, and they found a a mechanism for um, ETFs and hedge funds to buy into Bitcoin, that there became an inevitability about this. And one of the lingering questions surrounding Bitcoin was that it was, you know, is um, is it here to stay? Everyone sort of liked the, the idea of a blockchain, like a reconciliation system, but they, they thought, okay, well, you, you'd need to have digital, like gold on the blockchain for it to work. But I think now Bitcoin in itself is a scene of value. So, yeah, it's... um. So it's, it's so that's, yeah. So that's an interesting point that you mentioned that people in the past were always thinking more about the blockchain is here to stay, not yeah. a bit more, right? And in fact, and it's no no one's fault because everyone is trying to work out is it going to be an asset class or it's not going to be an asset class or is it a currency? Is it a mm. gold? There's so many different ways you can look at this thing. It it's in the eyes of the person how basically they perceive this thing as some call it uh, truth machine, some call it gold 2.0, some call it, call it currencies. But then at the same time, you talk to a lot of smart, smart people like uh, I had uh, Rudy from FN Arena on our pod a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him the question again, since we last spoke, which was about a year ago. And he is still at the point saying that blockchain is here to stay, but mm. Bitcoin is too volatile and it's probably not going to be uh, a good store of value, essentially. So there are people still, there are smart people who are still in a different camp. Uh, but I think as the time goes by, the longer it stays alive, the more people will start to believe in it. Yeah, I mean, the question for me is because obviously, uh, you know, getting into it this week, uh, I wonder if I'm the shoeshine boy getting into the stock market. Um, and it's like the, the signal for everyone to get out. Like it's like uh, the shoeshine boy getting into the stocks in 1928 20, or 1929. And I wonder if, um, so I wonder if, if I just bought into, um, did I just buy into Amazon uh, 15 years ago or did I buy into pets.com in 2001 like I, I don't know if I bought into something at the end of its life with no intrinsic value or if I bought something at the beginning of a long value creation journey and well I mean we'll find out but um, but I feel more comfortable having done it I'll put it this way it's like 
I think we did discuss this as well last week or the week before. It's like having an insurance policy, right? Now you've got some insurance policy. If in case this decides to take over gold, really, which I doubt is the case, it will, it's, it's a, it's a complement to gold, not an alternative to gold, in my opinion. Uh, uh, at least you have got that insurance policy. The question here, uh, John, that I have more from an investor's perspective is, when you dabble into this space, because um, obviously you are new, you've been thinking about this for a year, we had a chat, um, how do you decide how much money are you going to put in? Is it is what's what percentage of your net worth do you think should be in this space? Is it because obviously there's a lot of risk involved? We have discussed some of them, right? Uh, we know that this market is very volatile, right? It could crash tomorrow. It could go back to three k, two k, twenty k. We don't know what the number is, right? Or it could, or it could go to hundred k, three hundred k. Anything can happen, right? How do you decide how much money or how much of your net worth? should be in this space. So when, I guess my question is when you were thinking of dabbling in, yep. how do you work that out? What, what the figure is, whatever the X, Y, Z figure is, how do you decide that basically? Mm. So I, I the, the amount is an amount that I'm happy to lose. So if, if it went to zero, I'm okay, I wouldn't like it, but it's okay. So it's, it's you know, for the listeners out there, it's not that much. Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting because the the prevailing wisdom is 1% of your liquid net, net assets should be in crypto. If you go to the precious metal side, they say 5 to 10% should be in, in precious metals and physical sort of gold and silver. Uh, and and I, I'm not sure about any of that. So I my personal view is anything that doesn't spin off uh, an income stream, so anything that's not like a dividend-paying stock or anything that's not real estate is basically speculation. So even though I love precious metals and gold, it's still speculating on the price going up, even because it doesn't pay a dividend. And crypto is the same. It, it is still a speculation because there's no income stream. So not you know not that much. I don't apply the same you know dip your toe into real estate. You, you should get you know it's not advice, but you know get, getting all into real estate is is not the same risk as getting all into crypto because mm-hmm. there's uh, income streams and tangible assets and a long history of success with real estate. So the, the answer to the question is I, I put in as much as I'd be prepared to lose. It's it's a risk taking. How much appetite you have got to mm-hmm. take that level of risk essentially. Um, now, there was also some news, John, uh, which we, you and I were discussing before, is that EIB yeah. is issuing basically central bank digital currency on Ethereum blockchain, uh, which is basically, I think it was two-year digital bonds that they're t- talking about yeah. running on Ethereum blockchain. How do you take that piece of news and why do you think they uh, they have decided to run it on Ethereum blockchain? Any, any thoughts in general? Mm. Sorry, uh, sorry, just for the listeners, EIB is a European Investment Bank, and, they, and they've issued their uh, bonds on the public blockchain, which is Ethereum. Yeah, so Ethereum's doing quite well at the moment, and it's pulling a bit of interest away from Bitcoin, but it's probably affordability as well, given that Bitcoin is so much more expensive. But this is big news for, for Bitcoin. It also, it kind of, um, you, you know, if they're issuing... Um, if the European Union's issuing bonds in um, on the Ethereum network, uh, it certainly gives credibility to the technology, right? It means, um, so, so why Ethereum? Is that your question? Why Ethereum or what does it mean in general? Uh, one, why are the bonds being issued on the blockchain, uh, public blockchain, right? And two, if Ethereum, why Ethereum? In this case, obviously it's Ethereum. Yeah. 
But why well, public blockchain? Why do you need public blockchain for that? Is the is the question? I think the two reasons: visibility and trust. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 transparent. So everyone technically can 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 see it and trust it. And I think it's reasonably secure as well. Uh, but you know, if I'm not mistaken, that the Ethereum blockchain is more used than the Bitcoin blockchain because it's for you know, do, you know transferring documents. The Ethereum blockchain. So there's a lot. It's it's being used a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Ethereum blockchain has got more advanced functionalities compared to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is uh, simply digital gold, mm. or that's how it's being framed. What, what it will become in future, no one knows, but Ethereum has got a lot of advanced features from a technical standpoint, which is smart contracts. Uh, and you can issue whatever CBDC, which is central bank digital currencies on the Ethereum blockchain. Also, like you said before, it's trustless, it's uh, more visibility because uh, it's a public blockchain. So you can easy, easily verify your data on it, essentially. So it's a, it's a, uh, I think it, it there's, there's two ways to look at it. The way I read this piece of news, one was it's an experiment or two, Ethereum is about to become much more bigger over time. Mm. So, and it could very well be experiment, obviously, because it's very early stages. Ethereum has only been there for what, five, six years, whatever the time frame is, right? So there's a lot of stuff that is being built on Ethereum and all of it is experiment, but they're all smart contracts. And if it works out the way they're hoping it to work out, then the traditional banks will become uh, uh, dying dinosaurs to some extent in the in the banking world, because uh, you don't really need banks in that case. It's all running on, everything will just run on smart contracts uh, and the currencies will just be issued on relevant blockchain, in this case being Ethereum. But again, this is an experiment that is being done. Whether it will be successful or not, no one knows. And that's why people who are dabbling into the space, like you were, what you mentioned before, it's it's one percent or two percent of their net worth. Yeah, it's interesting you say that it transforms the financial services sector and or, or makes them potentially. I think you you said dinosaurs. I'm not again. I know a lot less about this than you, but I I've been thinking about that as well. I actually think that it it doesn't. It, the banking system will just hijack crypto and hijack blockchain and just use it because i still think you need a so for transferring funds without an intermediary that's what crypto will allow you to do but it won't allow you to get a loan it won't allow you to you know you, you still you know if you want to buy a property you could probably transfer the funds with crypto but you still need to uh prove yourself as uh loan worthy so i don't know i think there's still a place for the old banking system so uh hold your beer on that one right uh <laughs> It's early days, right? So everything that we're talking on this podcast is really, uh, some of it is speculation, some of it is news, right? Um, this is all experiment that is being done on uh, different blockchains, right? But what you just mentioned before, getting a loan and all that stuff, I think all of that stuff as we are talking is being built on some of these blockchains, right? So right. you can lend your crypto, earn interest on it, rather than selling it, you can borrow money, uh, by uh, securing, by giving those uh, digital assets as a security. So all of that stuff is new stuff, right? And what blockchain it gets built on. Right now, Ethereum is the most popular one. Down the line, it can, it can change, but that's why you only risk so much of your money. But I think the future is clearly 
blockchains running the banking system uh, with smart contracts, trustless, middleman just disappears kind of thing. Yep. But it's not there yet. There's no front-end interfaces. It's all experiments uh, that different companies or startups are doing. And that's the that's the other risk. There are so many coins out there that most of them aren't going to going to exist, and not even the best the best blockchains are going to prevail because it's a network. It depends on um, it depends on who has the most amount of members. You know, like so Ethereum might be a superior blockchain, but if everyone's using Bitcoin, that's going to be the winner. It's like um, uh, Facebook versus uh, what was the what was the one that preceded it in the early noughties? MySpace. MySpace, yeah. So MySpace was an inferior network, but it, you know, did the many of the same things. Um, so uh, interesting, interesting. We'll have to watch this space. But I feel I feel better being uh, in in the game. <laughs> I think you made a very important point that uh, any of these new blockchains that are uh, appearing over the time, like currently, there's so many of them. Uh, they just need to define the lane, what they are about. Uh, there could be stuff that's overlapping. That's fine. But you need to have a clear defined lane that this is what this blockchain is meant, meant for. Like mm. Bitcoin has taken its space in the world as di uh, digital gold. Simple. Nothing more. Right? That it's the base layer of the money in the digital world. Ethereum looks like uh, wants to be um, uh, wants to be the future banking that runs on the Ethereum blockchain using smart contracts and all that stuff decentralized finance essentially right um, i'm sure there's other blockchains and they serve some purpose as well uh, but we'll have to keep an eye on that and uh, obviously that's the hard part and that's that's why you pick and choose your battles basically the ones that you want to uh, be a part of but fair to say that if you want to dabble into this space that bitcoin ethereum are probably the safer ones to take a bet on um, currently, because they've got the most number of people participating in the network, essentially. Yep. It feels like that we'll be covering more of crypto in the future with two of us now uh, learning about this stuff and David slowly and slowly transitioning from Logan properties into crypto properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's already got his... Um uh the tesla share so he's uh, he's got he's got crypto indirectly so i was the Correct. i was the johnny come lately <laughs> there hasn't been that much movement this week in whether it's uh gold or silver or whether it's uh property mm -hmm. i mean we've talked about property is there much that you want to add in the property space john or it's mainly been really ethereum has been the news this week ethereum blockchain and how uh, european investment banks are issuing bonds on the ethereum blockchain i think that was the biggest piece of news from what i can tell yeah yeah i agree uh, look in terms of real estate uh, it's more of the same we'll do a deep dive next week when we've got all the april april data and we can um we can do a, a deep dive then suffice it to say the market's still really hot i mean i, I think it's it's um it's 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 cooling it's cooling down compared to march but it's still hot in general terms it's still hot in general terms so we're starting to see the uh clearance rates take a little bit of a dip but but that's off 90 percent clearance rates mm -hmm. so we're still very much in a boom uh in a bull market uh so you know let's let's go into that more next week but real estate's uh still hanging in there and, and doing great things yeah just one thing on real estate was uh that um 
survey that was done by one of the Australian companies uh, on the rental properties that are listed on realestate.com.au out of the roughly 74, 75,000 properties that are listed on uh, realestate.com.au, only three properties were affordable for the people who were on job seeker packages. Does that concern you at all, John? That part of it? Or is any 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 general thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I'm skeptical because rents have come down a lot. So it, the question for me is, you know, what what were the what was the spec to to the you know what type of property were they looking for and um, the prop the, the rental prices and gen, generally speaking have come down. Although I suppose houses haven't, but if they're looking, you know. It depends on what is affordable. Uh, I'm very, very nervous about the economy writ large. I think that um, uh, our standard of living is dropping, even though we're, we're a wash in currency. I think that, you know, some people are getting very wealthy. I think other people are, get, are getting poor, and I, I, I don't like this economy. Uh, so that, you know, we can be a wash in currency and only three properties are affordable says something about job seeker and job keeper that these aren't really substitutes for income. These aren't substitutes for personal exertion and working and being productive. So be very, very wary about going on these programs uh, unless you absolutely have to, and certainly be wary to stay on them because they're they're not really a substitute for a high standard of living. It's the opposite really. So I I think that that you made a very strong point over there because in the past last year there was a lot of talk about ubi universal basic Mm -hmm. especially with andrew yang in 2019 year before that Uh, and job keeper job seeker kind of similar to that uh just tells you the story of what you can really afford when you are on these kind of packages and tells you that um the currency is being depaced faster obviously that's all yeah, I mean, universal basic income is uh, everyone has money and no one produces anything. And, you know, you always have to go back to a, uh, a like a Robinson Crusoe type, uh, you know, imagine Tom, Tom um, Hanks on Castaway. So imagine he's on this island with, you know, coconuts and all that sort of stuff. And but he's got a chest of uh, a big uh, chest with all this US dollar bills in there. The. the our current policymakers think that Tom Hanks is a wealthy man because he's got a chest of currency on, on, on this island. But but in reality, you're only as wealthy as the amount of goods and services around. If if you're um, if you've got all this money but you can't catch an Uber because no one wants to drive Ubers anymore, or or if the restaurants are closed, our standard of living drops. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be really careful that we don't confuse currency with wealth. And um, wealth has taken a huge battering in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. Great chat, mate. As um, always. I know this week has been all about crypto with John creating his accounts wherever he is on whatever exchanges. And his net worth, one person, is a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was great to get your insights, John, because as a new retail user, someone jumping into the space, it's, there's a lot to learn from there uh, for people like me and others. Uh, anything else that you want to add before we wrap this up no mate it was was another good chat awesome well listeners uh, play safe stay safe we'll see you guys next week with more real estate information and other stuff that's happening until then goodbye cheers John and Jazz